listening to Arizona Varsity Football with Ralph Amston. Hey guys, it's Brendan Rice here. You listen to the Arizona Varsity Show with Ralph Amston. Hey, this is Tyler Shuck. You listen to the Arizona Varsity Football Show with Ralph Amston. What's up, guys? This is Spencer Rattler, and you're listening to the Arizona Varsity Football Show with Ralph Amston. Cody Cameron, the senator, the guy who makes things run on the football end for ArizonaVarsity.com, the head of, what are you, the head of football? Head football analyst? Head analyst, yeah. Oh, man, such a fancy title. (laughs) Well, we brought in the king of football in the state of Arizona to talk a little bit about the uh, football in the state of Arizona. We're a quarter of the way through the season. And, Cody, I was just wondering, from your perspective, who do you think um, are some of the players that have stood out the most so far this year? I mean, you look at the state of Arizona, Ralph, and especially since, you know, you – and you cover the state for so long, and you've seen how you know development through a lot of these athletes, and especially just college recruiting in itself, and, and players getting better over the last ten to fifteen years. And we've seen that with the offers, the quarterbacks in the state, right? I mean, every time you turn on a TV, every time you turn on the TV on Saturday morning, watch one of our former Arizona high school football quarterbacks playing, and I don't see anything different here with the twenty-two and twenty-three classes, and, and two quarterbacks that are really standing out to me and. And to me, these are two of the top talents in the entire state. Uh, Nico Marquial, Hamilton senior quarterback, West Virginia commit. He talked about being a warrior last week against Bishop Borman. Just willed his team to victory, 18 points in the last 65 seconds. But just everything else with him, man. And, and I think he's really grown as a quarterback. And you talk to Coach Kitt, the Hamilton OC, and he always says, hey, a quarterback's in, in a system year two. They always take that that extra notch up top and, and – developed even more he's comfortable with the offense and he's really accurate he's such an athletic quarterback he looks phenomenal and the second one i'm going to go to some small 3a football here yuma catholic junior quarterback richard stallworth this is a kid who put up video game numbers last season during a COVID year ralph he already has 1500 yards passing this season a million touchdowns he can make any throw we we spotlighted him in one of our film sessions to open up the year, and his arm strength is incredible. Would not be surprised if that kid could throw the ball 70 to 75 yards in the air. Uh, both of those quarterbacks, man, are really talented kids, and, and they spotlight the 22 and 23 quarterback class. Now, we, you know, I, I could talk to you for an hour, but I, I only want to keep you on for a few minutes here on, on your Friday as you get ready to head out and, and cover another game. But one, one of the quarterbacks that it, I still can't figure out what's going on here is uh, Trayson Borgay out at South Point Catholic. Um, I, I understand that, uh, you know, I understand how recruiting works. And, I you know, I've seen guys like Brock Purdy blow up after their high school career is completely finished. But it feels like we've been banging the table about Trayson's skill level for two years now. And and yet the the offers out there um, that, that seem to be committ- committable are like Brigham Young and maybe one or two others. Um, are, are you surprised uh, that his recruitment hasn't had uh, the, the uptick that would probably reflect where he's at as a prospect? 
I was about like five or six months ago. And Trace is a kid that Alec and I, Alex Simpson, and we we just pushed to everybody. I mean, this is a kid I've seen multiple times up close in person. Um, heck, he, one of his one of my favorite performances he's had was actually in the Ross when they played Hamilton last year. Hamilton took it to South Point that night pretty good. And Tracen was a beast in that game, man. And they were still down like 30 points, and he was still slinging it around. And just his pocket awareness and his, his elusiveness in the pocket and his arm strength, I mean, he checks a lot of those boxes. And, and the reason why I was surprised by like four or five months ago, because to me, this is a power five talent. When you look at just size, intelligence, can make the throws, he checks those, man. And, and, and he just has that, that extra leadership uh, tangible that a lot of college staffs like. I was like, where are these power five offers? But then when I was talking and, and doing a lot of my evals and talking to a lot of college staffs and probably let some, let some inside, I won't, I won't name any colleges by name, but just some inside information on the podcast. A lot of the mountain West, they didn't think they'd land him. They, they were talking to like, you know, we don't want to offer this kid because we don't think we're going to get him, which to me, I never really understood. Cause you, I, especially in, in this recruiting cycle where the portal is so big and there's limited spots what you never know if you're not going to land a kid or not, you know, but they didn't think they could land them. And then the power fives, they would, they just get so ticky tacky and especially with quarterbacks and they were nitpicking some stuff. And so after just having those conversations, I go, okay, well, you know, maybe you know, I look at an offer like BYU, which is an incredible offer. And, and I think right now it is committable. And so I go, okay, but you get schools like Northwestern, and might I even say like Arizona State and, and some of these other big power five programs that haven't landed a quarterback. And to me, it's a no-brainer. Like Trayson, to me, goes into your quarterback room, and, and you said this publicly, no matter what, it's like having another offensive coordinator up there. <laughs> He's that smart of a kid. So I hope I hope maybe he gets some, some of these late offers. And if not, wherever he goes, man, I hope he just continues to excel and, and beats everybody who didn't offer him. Yeah, I, I'm like I said, I, I I could keep you for a whole hour, but I want to make sure that I have you on each one of these uh, Friday shows, Arizona Varsity Football Show. Um, we'll, we'll just do five to ten minute hits. We will leave the people wanting more. What do you think about that, Cody? I am all for it, Ralph. Let's rock. All right, man. We'll talk to you soon. See ya. All right, we got Casa Grande head coach Jake Barrow here on the Arizona Varsity Football Show. Uh, undefeated so far, is that right, Coach? Yeah, right now we're sitting at 3-0. Yeah, I, so I'm I definitely um, tracking everything that's going on with Casa Grande after having the opportunity to get out and see you a couple of times last year, see R.J. Keaton run the ball, see the way that Angel Flores has kind of re- um, re- remade his body and, and dedicated himself to being a leader and dedicated himself to the game. And then seeing your other senior wide receiver out there, uh, Flores and, and and Kelly as well, it's a very exciting offense. But what people might not know a whole lot about is that defense that you guys have out there. Tell me a little bit about Casa Grande's defense. Yeah, our defense has really come alive uh, this year. I mean, we, we had a great defense last year, but we've really, really taken it up a level. Um, this year, we're we're led by our, our senior core, obviously, uh, you know, as a lot of teams are. Uh, middle linebacker Jake Silvestri, uh, or I should say, we have two middle linebackers, Jake Silvestri and Zion Gomez, are both, you know, just workhorses in the middle. Um, our, our secondary is solid, um, you know, and an eager at safety. 
Uh, we have Kevin White at strong safety. You know, the, these kids are just tremendous leaders, and they kind of direct the defense. Um, but our, our strength, really, of it is probably our defensive line. I mean, we, we really – Derek Kukendall up in the defensive line, you know, Grant Johnson, uh, Luke Luna. Um, these, these kids are just, you know, they're, they're selfless, they're humble, and they just work hard. Um, so it's really been, you know, one of those things where no, no one player is a huge star and getting all the recognition, but the defense as a whole has just had a tremendous start to the year so far. And, I mean, I couldn't be more proud of them because it's, you know, you, you, can, you can score points, but if you can't stop the other team, you're not going to win any games. That's true. And uh, Casa Grande's a really interesting situation because – you know, it's 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 thirty thirty minutes south on the ten on a good day on a clear on a clear traffic day, right? And uh, and I mean, there's definitely a lot of talent in Pinal County, whether it's in Maricopa or Casa Grande. But I remember for the longest time, you know, I'd go to interview Mountain Point kids or Hamilton kids. They would give me their phone number, and they have that five two zero Pinal County area code, and you just knew that they they had chosen to uh, to spend their their high school careers and their their extracurricular and athletic careers. Uh, making that drive up the 10 or, or down the 347. You've been at Casa Grande. You've invested your time, you know, for a few years now. Have you started to see that community investment um, pay off and, and, and see kids stay in town for high school? Yeah, big time. I mean, and, and you nailed it. That that was always kind of what, what held Casa Grande back, and as well as the other Pinal County football programs. Um, a, a lot of, you know, good players would, would go elsewhere. Um, and, and for a long time, you know, you, you couldn't blame them. You know, it was just a better opportunity. Um, and so when when I came on, you know, heck, it's, it's, it'll be seven years ago now, uh, Randy Robbins was the athletic director, and his vision was, you know, we want to keep kids here. We want to give them something that they want to be a part of, they want to play for it. And, and um you know, I, I feel like we've we've done that uh, with some time. You know, you just you just you just develop a program where kids want to be a part of it. You, you you know, you build relationships with them. You make it fun. Um, but but yeah, I can tell you right from the beginning when I first came down here, a lot of the best players uh, were, were going up to some other schools, and you know, no fault of their own, they got to go where the best opportunity for them is. Um, and and heck, when I was coaching at Seton Catholic. Um, and, and, you know, about 2010, 2011, um, our best running back lived in Kessler Um So I can tell you that uh, just from experience. Uh, but right now, I mean, we've got a freshman team that is undefeated so far, too, and nobody's come within 50 points of them. And, and the reason for that is we're, we're starting to keep the kids here. We're starting to keep them from going elsewhere. And, and uh, it's, it's really the key to kind of build the program is the youth movement. Um, and, and it's not really me. It's, it's the whole community is just coming up and supporting. And when kids are in seventh, eighth grade, they see the community support. Uh, they want to go to their home school. Uh, but if you don't have much community support, then they're going to go elsewhere and it makes it much easier to go elsewhere. Um, so I, I just really credit the whole community for getting behind us and, and being involved. It's, it's been fantastic. You know, I, I definitely give credit to the community of Casa Grande for getting a Dutch Bros. Like, why would you even want to leave them? <laughs> You got a Dutch Bros right there in town. You can get your caffeine in town. Might as well stay and play high school football as well. Exactly. Hey, Rob, we got a Dutch Bros now. This is my best recruiting pitch. We got a Dutch Bros now. We're about to get a Texas Roadhouse, and we're about to get an Angry Crab. If you're a seafood guy, that's one of the best places to go. And you, so that's, and you, that's, that's and you, the biggest recruiting thing I can do. <laughs> and yeah, and and up up until six months ago, you've been had the northernmost EGs. I know that I would drive thirty minutes to go to EGs. 
For sure. Hey, so uh, you obviously have a history with Seton Catholic, and that is this week's game. Um, We had mentioned it on the Seatown Rivals podcast, um, but, uh, I mean, do you get to a point where you've been out of it for long enough? Um, I know that every once in a while I'll get comments to say, like, oh, you're a Chandler guy because you went to Chandler, and I'm just like, well, that's 20 years ago. That's 20 years ago. I, I very much promise you that I don't think about uh, I think once you go on and you go to college and stuff like that, that that connection there uh, wears down a little bit. But um, talk to me just a little bit about coming back to Seton. Yeah, you know, it, it's always, always a, uh, a a great experience to get to play them. We This will be the third time we've played them since I've been at Casa Grande. And, um, you know, obviously I went to school there. I coached there. Um, you know, I was blessed to be part of a staff that won a state championship there. So there is a lot of history there for me. Um, and it's a great place with great people. And, and one of the good things, one of the best things about Seton, in my opinion, always is the, the people. And with a community like they have, it, it, a lot of it is the same people, the same teachers, the same administration, the same families that keep going through there. Um, so even though it's been, you know, so long, um, you know, even since I coached there, it's been over 10 years, we... Um, you can still look back and see, man, the same people are on the, there's some guys on the coaching staff that I worked with. There's people in the administration that I still remember. There's te- all the teachers are the same. Um, so they do have a great community. They do have some great people. And for me, it's just always exciting to go back and see that. I mean, obviously we want to beat them and then that's the goal, but it's, it's, it's also as a little fun to the experience of, getting to play a team on a Friday night that you're familiar with. Do you feel like some of that generational investment rubbed off on you and how you do things out at Cassie Rank? Because I know you got family members that are helping out with the program. Oh, yeah. I have. I mean, my dad uh, coaches with me, and, you know, he, he always has. Um, my brother always coached with me and, you know, recently moved to Washington, D.C., but he still helps us break down film from afar <laughs> and, and is involved. You know, my grandfather was a longtime coach in the East Valley. Um, I have a coach with me. Uh, his name's Bruce Bazali, um, who was actually a coach with my grandfather in Illinois back in the 60s. Um, so he's, he's, he's family to us. I mean, it, it absolutely is rubbed off in, on me, and it's an important thing to me. You know, if you're going to do this, I've always said, if you're going to go off on something and pour your heart and soul into it, do it with people you love to be around. And, you know, make, make great memories with people you love to be with. Otherwise, you know, it's just work. And when it's when it's not work, when it's something you love, you you enjoy, and you surround yourself with people you love being around, that's when you're at your best. I've always believed that. I'm, I'm not gonna lie, Coach Burrow. Your brother sounds like a jerk. What kind of guy moves east and still tries to stay involved in Arizona high school football? <laughs> you know, he decided he was gonna go to law school. Uh, he, he made the decision to go to law school and be one of those guys. And and you know, based on his uh, intelligence level, which is you know far superior to mine. He, he was able to get a full scholarship to law school at Georgetown. So it was kind of an opportunity he couldn't turn down. And, and you know, we, we ended up pushing him out there and saying, you got to do it. You got to do it. So he went out there and, and obviously he's doing it. He, he loved it out there. But he calls me all the time. Man, I miss coaching. I, I miss coaching. And, and uh, let me let me see what I can do just looking at some film and help out. So we'll see. I think in, in a year or two, because he's been out there a little bit now, maybe in a year we'll we'll probably get him back. 
uh, at least in some capacity. I know he's coming back here to Arizona for sure, you know, but we'll we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, well, good good for him. Good for him bettering himself and using his gifts. I, I just, as somebody who moved to Charlotte, I figured I'd give him some, some of the same grief that people have been giving me. Uh, so my last question, obviously save the best for last. Uh, this offense that you have out there, R.J. Keaton just named Arizona Cardinals Player of the Week. Angel Flores, Asina, and an uptick in, in his recruiting. I love your receiving core. You got some good guys on the offensive line. Walk me through what makes that engine run out there at Casa Grande. Uh, the, the leadership. Um, and, and when I say leadership, I'm not talking about the coaches. I'm talking about the players. Um, you know, Angel Flores, you know, obviously as the quarterback, he, he starts at the top. Um, he's a tremendous leader. A lot, a lot of people know him because he's, he's a great football player. He throws the ball well, runs the ball well. You know, he's just a great player. Um, but the leadership skills that he possesses are really second to none when it comes to players I've coached. Um, you know, he, he, he's just, you know, he's well-liked. He loves his teammates, and they know he'd be willing to run through a brick wall for him. Um, and so vice versa. Uh, they do that for him. Uh, we've got some wide receivers that are, you know, not only stud athletes, but, you know, they'll they'll do whatever for anybody else. You know, we've got uh, Demetrius Garrett, uh, senior. We've got Anthony Flores senior, Kevin White, senior receiver, and then DeAndre Kelly, the junior. Um, all four of them are willing to um, do whatever it takes to get this team to do well. You know, even when the ball's not going their way, they're going to block. They're going to work their, their butt off to do whatever it takes. And and then, obviously, the offensive line, you got to give them the credit because, you know, without them, nothing happens. So, you know, Nick Anaya at center, a tremendous leader. Um, and then tight end Jake Silvestri, two-way player that never wants to come off the field. Um, Aiden Castillo, a guard. I mean, gosh, I'm, I'm naming the whole offense, I know, but but it's really about the leadership. And we're very senior heavy this year, and, and that's that's exciting because these kids have worked four years, and now you're getting to see kind of, you know, what they want, what their vision is. Um, so, yeah, we have some tremendous football players on the offensive side, no doubt about it. It, it, it makes my job really easy. Um, but their leadership skills and their selfless attitude is really what makes this thing go. Awesome. Well, I got, I got two more questions for you, and it's questions that I've asked every single coach that I've had on the show. Um, I, I talked to uh, to Jason Jewell and Jason Mons and Rick Garrettson about this in particular. And for you, I think that you're kind of in a in a unique place to answer because you're you're in the foray, you're having an excellent season, and if it progresses, then you have to start thinking about the possibility that you could be pulled up into an open division playoff filled with the big boys out of the 4A uh, conference. So I was just wondering kind of where your head was at and what your thoughts were on the way the system is set up now and if you think it's viable for the future. You know, I, um, well, I'm, I'll start by saying this. There are definitely teams in the 4A, um, you know, not even including us in the mix, ALA, Queen Creek, Cactus, um, that, that for sure could go into the open division and compete, no doubt in my mind. Um, uh, and then us, I mean, we, we would be honored to be thrown in that mix. I mean, it, it seems like, um, you know, a pie-in-the-sky kind of, you know, dream to be thrown in the top eight in the entire state of Arizona. But, I mean, what an honor that would be for us if, if that ended up happening. Um, you know, I, I, if I kind of step back a minute and I look at it, I don't know that um, – you know, including 4A teams in it is, is viable for the future. I'm not sure that's that's a great model. Um, you know, I was always of the belief that maybe eight teams was too many. Maybe four was what they should have done. Um, you know, stick with four and just play the open that way. Um, 
somebody proposed a few weeks ago on Twitter, you know, about if a team loses in the first round, maybe let them go back as the number one seed in their in their conference playoffs. I, I think that's a good idea. I mean, there's obviously a lot of things we can do to play with this and make it the best, uh, make it the best it can be. Because because it is a good thing to have. I, I do think the open division was good. It, you know, anything that allows more teams to compete, more teams to feel success is great. Um, but, you know, for us, obviously, we'd be honored to be in there. We would love to play it. It would be what a great thing for the program and for these kids to play on that stage. Um, you know, but, but you look at the future and you just see, you know, is, is eight too many? Is that, is that really make sense? You know, is there, is there a disparity between number one and number eight that maybe shouldn't exist? Um, and then what can we do to make it better? So there's definitely a lot of conversations, I think, that need to take place for the future with the Open. I think it can be, can be made better. Right on. Well, I, I appreciate your time. I, I know I said I had two questions, but I'm going to cut it short for the specific purpose of giving me an excuse to hit you up again soon. Uh, Coach Jake Barrow, Casa Grand High School, has done a wonderful job of building the culture out there. And if you get an opportunity this year, get out and see that offense and defense in action. They'll be in town, right? I mean, is, is this this game at Seton or is it in Casa Grand? It's actually it's at our place this year. So you got you got to make a little bit of a drive, but we'll be there. Hey, but there's EGs and Dutch Bros, so it's worth the drive. Exactly right. Exactly right. <laughs> right on, Coach. I appreciate your time. Yes, sir. Anytime. All right, Arizona Varsity football show. We've got Hamilton head coach Michael Zadebski on the phone. Uh, really, really excited to have you on this week because I'm assuming anybody who would listen to this show is very aware of what happened last Friday night at Jerry Loper Stadium. 18 points in under a minute. Uh, Coach, you've been around football a real long time. You ever been a part of something like that before? Uh, not in that small amount of time. Uh, a friend of mine, we were talking about um, long, long ago when, when we were in a game where we came back from about three touchdowns down in the second half but not in uh, under a minute. I remember uh, being about 10 years old, being at, uh, it was America West Arena at the time. Suns trailed the Lakers by 10 points, 50 seconds left. And uh, Charles Barkley, Wesley Person, Kevin Johnson all hit three-pointers. Michael Finley hits a game winner. And I look around and the stadium had emptied with two minutes left so everybody could get home on time. I'm, I'm checking social media this week, Coach, and I'm seeing a lot of people that I know saying, like, how how did I let myself leave that game in the fourth quarter? It sounds like some people missed a heck of a show. Yeah, I think the law of averages is on, is on their side in that, you know, based on the circumstances, time, uh, momentum in the game, uh, the, the way – you know, we were playing at that time. I, I think it was probably uh, percentage-wise, uh, it, it wasn't a, a bad choice to take off. But um, but things don't always work out that way, do they? No, no. I think it's probably a lesson you only have to learn once as well. Uh, so I'm, I'm watching this game on ESPN, really, really enjoying the, the, the environment, the way that it was put together. And you guys come out, and you're able to mount a drive right away. Uh, and then it seemed like, you know, Christian and I gets three catches on that initial drive. And it seems like Bishop Gorman made some adjustments um, to kind of frustrate uh, your offense, even though your, your, your defense was playing reasonably well at the time. Uh, wh what do you feel like they were able to do to, to shift the momentum in their favor for the next three and a half quarters? Well, 
it, it wasn't what they did is what we did. So what happened is the, the rest of the way until those last, um, you know, the last couple minutes, we would either have a, a, a pre-snap penalty, you know, an illegal procedure or, or some type of penalty on, on drives, or we took a sack on a drive. And that happened on every drive after the first drive all the way through the end of the game. And that's really the thing that we focused on, you know, this last week in terms of educating the kids. You know, once again, it's not what somebody else does. It's, it's really what we do. And, uh, and it, it was. E each drive would have a penalty. Any drive that we had a penalty, we weren't able to overcome it. Or we took a sack, which, you know, you lose it down and you're, you're going negative yardage, um, which, which you really don't want to do against a team like Bishop Gorman. Yeah, definitely not. I mean, that was that was one of the things I tried to stress to people uh, in the aftermath of the game. You know, they were saying that Bishop Gorman might have choked or something like that. And I was like, guys, this this is a fantastic team. Sometimes the ball just bounces your way. Sometimes you have good luck. Sometimes you have bad luck. But you don't want to discount uh, a team with, with, with that level of talent that was actually doing a pretty good job of executing against your very talented team for most of the game. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a reason why they're number seven in the country. They looked the part, and and they played the part. You know, they ran the ball well. And, and again, we went over this with the kids. Statistically, rushing yards, they they beat us. Passing yards, they beat us. Total yardage, they beat us. But where they beat themselves also were the number of penalties. They had eight or nine personal fouls, total of fifteen penalties, and the number of those were in critical situations. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I would be, uh, I'd be completely ridiculous not to point out the fact that most people talk about gutsy performances. Most people say, uh, "Leave it all out in the field." Most people say, "Blood, sweat, and tears," but they don't mean those things literally. In this game, you had literal blood, literal sweat, literal tears, and then a little bit of uh, uh, guts as well, <laughs> with, yeah, with Nico Markial getting sick there at the end of the game. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, what did? You, I, I just I'm I'm completely flabbergasted even talking about it now. Um, that Nico Marchial performance, just from your perspective of being on the field, what can you say about that? Well, you know, he, he kept a calmness to the team. The, the coaches were very calm. Everyone just focused on just you know one play and one situation at a time, and not becoming consumed with the clock and the score. Um, so not to place you know, more undue pressure on ourselves uh, than was already there with the perceived pressure. And, you know, I, I just uh, felt that, uh, you know, his leadership, his calmness, uh, his positivity, um, it, it helped. It, it didn't hurt us, that's for sure. Now, I've been uh, – I'm going overboard uh, as, as a fan of Christian and I, I think – that he is everything that you would want in a football player. You don't get a lot of guys who play uh, both ways in the history of Hamilton High School. He's doing a little bit of that, leading the team in catches, um, really showing a lot of toughness on both sides of the ball. And and I'm, I'm, I'm a firm believer that some college out there is going to get extremely lucky um, earning his commitment. We have yet to see that recruiting pick up, but I definitely believe it will happen. What do you feel like he's brought to the table this year? Well, one with the recruiting, I, I, I think when you see Montana beating Washington, uh, Jackson State beating the Florida State, NAU beating Arizona, 
I don't think any of those three teams had a single kid that was probably offered by the other school. Right. And I think the recruiting process, um, there's some concerns there uh, because I, I think these young coaches in college simply look at how many stars there are. Right. And they don't take into consideration the level of play uh, because sometimes you get kids that play small ball and they look fast on film, but they're really not that fast. Or they look good against lesser competition, but they're not that good. And when you get a kid like Christian and I, who's playing against the best teams in the country and, you know, the best teams in Arizona week in, week out with all the big schools and making plays, I think there's something to be said there about, you know, being a football player. Plus, he has great track times. Um, but I think they just get enamored with, with stars, and I, I think that's where – Recruiting is um, is diminished at this time because no one wants to get out, see a kid, meet a kid, critically evaluate film, and, and base the film on um, who they're playing. And sometimes they'll take someone else's word for it. You know, recruiting is reactionary. Everyone's scared to offer someone, even though they look good, because no one else has made that offer. And, I, and you know, Christian, to me, he's one of the best uh, football players and best receivers in the state of Arizona um, and, and could be well outside as well with what he can do on the field uh, statistically, um, the number of targets that he has, and like you talked about, the ability to play both ways. So hopefully that'll pick up. Um, you, you'd like to think some of these big schools would, uh, um, you know, look at the fact that, you know, he made those plays against a school like Bishop Gorman, which probably has three times or four times the number of, uh, you know, P5 offer kids than we do. Yeah, and I mean, it, it, it's just funny. The history keeps repeating itself. I remember when uh, Tolleson brought uh, Andre Johnson out to play against you guys, and it was never more obvious that there was <laughs> that, that there were people missing the boat. And I think up until Arizona State finally came in, it was Bemidji State and Bemidji State alone. And so, you know, it, you, you get to the point where um, you can really only do so much, but people end up where they're supposed to and they show out. And obviously you pointed out, you know, we got we got FCS schools getting wins over FBS schools for a reason. And a lot of that has yeah. to do with the right fit and evaluation and everything like that. Um, I did want to uh, I did have a couple more questions for you because you you um, you inherited our perpetual argument over what to do with the playoffs. Um, by, by coming in from Michigan, uh, taking this job at Hamilton, elevating Hamilton to the point of being a participant in the Open Division Championship, which was really designed to get a couple of teams out of the way so that everybody else could enjoy uh, being part of the, the playoff process. But now we also have a system of promotion and relegation in place uh, that is elevating some of these teams. And so you have some 4A schools that probably don't belong in an, in a, an Open Division playoff discussion, um, like Cactus, like a Casa Grande, who could end end up with the big boys at the end of the year. And I was just wondering kind of what, what your thoughts on where that whole thing is headed and what you think the future might look uh, like for the playoffs in the state of Arizona. Well, I I got too much on my table to honestly um, be a part of that. If they had a panel in the off season, love to be a part of it. But I mean, you, you look at last year, you don't want to have 50 point blowouts in the open division. Right. If you're having 50-point blowouts in the Open Division playoffs, then there's something wrong with the metrics of who you're bringing in. And sometimes there's the undue pressure of bringing a team in that went undefeated without taking into consideration their strength of schedule. Whereas you may have a larger division school 
that uh, based on their strength of schedule and who they played might have a few losses, but they're going to be a better opponent than some of the smaller schools. Again, based on their um, their strength of schedule, right there. And I, I think the open division, like you said, it was it was created for a couple of schools to give some other people a chance to to win at their levels. But uh, you don't want to see the the fifty point blowouts. That's that's that you know you you have a great season. You go undefeated, and then you go get beat by fifty in the first round of the playoffs. You know, it's it's almost like it, congratulations, you made the open division. Uh, but your season ain't going to end real well. Right, like almost punished for success in a way. Correct. Well, I, Coach, I really appreciate your time. I I did have one last question for you because I feel like it's the Hamilton defense that, you know, obviously you've got some big names on the offensive side of the ball. Obviously, if you're a high school football fan, you're probably going to know a lot more about Hamilton than than, than just the, the average person out there. But I feel like this defense hasn't gotten a ton of publicity. So I was just wondering if you could uh, throw a couple names out there, people who are really putting in the effort and, and, and putting some great stuff on film early in the season. Well, I, I think as a whole, they've, they, they've done a great job. I, I think Joel Gantz, um, has performed well at corner. Um, and then on, on the other side, Cooper LaDuke, which are both first-year starters. Um, our safeties, especially this, this past week, for the most part, they kept everybody underneath them, and they, and they have some great receivers. Probably the, the strength of the defense is, is the front seven, you know, with Deuce, Chandler Davis, uh, Dawson Hubbard, Tay Brown, Alex McLaughlin, Timmy Weddle, Grant DeGraffin, Reed, and Aaron um, Loran, um, those guys are really the strength. And as, as long as the secondary stays on top of things, we're in pretty good shape. Right on. Well, I, I appreciate your time, Coach. I know you I know you like to get out to some of these games on Saturdays. Any plans to uh, to watch the return of Brendan Rice to Sun Devil Stadium? <laughs> I, I, I'd love to. You know, we have so much game prep now to, to make sure the kids are, are prepared for a Monday practice. Um, I'm probably going to watch the game on TV and uh, and cheer them on from there. I'm with you, and I'm I'm, I'm out on the East Coast now, so we'll, we'll see if I even make it to the end of the game. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right, well, thank you so much for your time, Coach. I appreciate you. Okay, thanks, bro. All I need is a thousand followers, ten thousand hours to be a platinum, a gold member like as Austin Powers. And truly lost and just devoured by these social towers that as I climb is still empty in the morning hours. A thousand friends, but they don't know the struggle that's within. It's these I pen and there's a few that I'll be pressing send. The question is, can you be real with me and I with you? Can I impact the violent news that I'm just smiling through? A silent few, the flesh and spirit, it is nothing new. The old man still on the move like he's Uncle Drew. Affirmation, a lasting name.